0: The question is, are you ready? This is The Drive with Josh Graham. I'm walking here. On Sports Hub Triad.
1: Man, does time fly. The calendar flips to July in just a couple of days, which means we're pretty much two months away from the start of the college football season. In recent years around here, at least in ACC circles, The build-up to September has lacked, how do I say it, drama. It's been some combination of, Clemson's going to win the league. They're going to go to the playoff. But can they win a national title? It's been that same conversation for years. But this year, it feels different, at least for me. Now, the Tigers once again have superior talent to the rest of the ACC. Sorry, North Carolina fans who were hoping, I might say, Clemson might fall to the Tar Heels in an ACC championship game. I don't even think North Carolina is going to win the Coastal, but I know not many of you are on that same bandwagon right now. I do think Clemson's going to win the ACC. I'm not crazy enough to pick against them. But are they a playoff team? I have serious doubts about that this year. Mostly because I think even the biggest Clemson fan listening can agree that this is the most vulnerable Clemson roster we've seen since the Kelly Bryant team in 2017. Think about it. You do have a lot going on defense, a lot of tremendous players, some even from the triad, are coming back. But losing Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, those aren't just great players, those aren't just national championship-leading players. Those are two of the greatest players in the history of the Atlantic Coast Conference. That has to leave a mark. I refuse to believe it's not going to. The Kelly Bryant season came after a national championship where Deshaun Watson was taken in the first 15 picks. That team almost lost to NC State in Raleigh, That was Dave Doran's best shot at winning the Atlantic Division. You had the laptop comments after that game, which I think ruined any shot of NC State ever beating Clemson again as long as Doran is the coach. That was also the Bradley Chubb pulling of Kelly Bryant's towel. Maybe that was Deshaun Watson a couple years before that too. There's some bad blood there. That Clemson team lost to Syracuse. Since then, they haven't lost to an ACC opponent, unless you count Notre Dame last year. This team's vulnerable like that team was. And it's not really an easy schedule. The talent, it's there. Clemson recruits it every single season. I see it. I follow recruiting. I know exactly what it says. And it tells you that Clemson, once again, is reloading. They're not rebuilding. And I buy that. But the biggest concern that I have is not with how they can play at the top of their game. Like when they're dialed in and everything's good, when they're right, their best is better, than you would, eh, then probably every team in college football not named Alabama, Georgia, maybe Oklahoma, potentially Ohio State. Their good is better than everybody else's pretty much. The question is, how consistently can they bring that? That's always the deal in college football. With younger teams, you are more susceptible to overlooking somebody, to not being at the top of your game. And as much as I like DJ Uliangalale, and we saw what he was capable of doing in a loss at Notre Dame throwing for over 400 yards, can he run a perfect slate? Can he run through the ACC the way that Trevor Lawrence did Every single game he played in this conference. I see two losses for Clemson this year. If they lose two games, can they get into the playoff? The games I'm looking at, they open up with Georgia, who I think has everything breaking their way. This could be Georgia's year. JT Daniels at quarterback, two great running backs, probably the best one-two punch in college football. George Pickens, he's a Balitnikov. Hopeful. Robert, did you know I was a Bolitnikoff voter? A what now? Bolitnikoff. Best wide receiver in college football.
2: Oh, I've never heard of it, no.
1: Gotcha. Intern
2: Cole, did you know that? What it is, I didn't know that you were a voter. It's yeah. a game. He does this all the time. He likes to flex that he's a Bolitnikoff voter. Yeah. I know you're new around here, but he does this a lot.
1: That's right. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred. if you want in on the show. Cole's learning about our games day after day. Robert Walsh taking your calls as well on Twitter at WSJS Sports. Georgia, that opener in Charlotte, dear Lord, that's going to be an unbelievable game with an unbelievable crowd. I can't wait for it. So, if they lose that game, opening up against a team that's more experienced and I think has slightly more talent, can they run? all the way through the ACC slate the way they have the last few years. I still believe, because this is a more vulnerable Clemson team than we've seen in recent years, they're going to lose one random dumb game. It's not going to be to Florida State. They're going to roll Florida State by a million, just name the number. It's not going to be NC State for the reasons I was just describing a few minutes ago. They're probably not going to lose at home, so it won't be Georgia Tech or Wake Forest. The games I look at, it's Louisville, or it's Boston College. Both those games away from Tiger Stadium, games you could potentially slip up against. I like the Louisville positioning because it's right after they're going to hang close to 100 points on Florida State for what happened last year. If they take one game off and they slip up, that's two losses. And we've never had a playoff team with two losses. Could Clemson be the first? If Clemson lost to Georgia, which we can all agree, going to be in the playoff mix. They always are. And they lose a random dumb ACC game. They have two losses with an ACC football championship. Is that enough to get them through? I don't think so. Negative ACC bias, I think, is going to weigh heavier than a week one loss to Georgia. Especially if that other loss comes in conference play. This league, it's not going to be great this year. I thought they had a great year a year ago. It helped having Notre Dame in the league. I think they're going to take a marginal step back. The committee, we've seen it. Over the last five years, they don't respect this conference. So if Clemson has two losses, I don't think it's an ACC team with two losses that becomes the first two-loss college football playoff team in the four-team format. So I have serious doubts about Clemson being a playoff team. Let me shift to this. Facing elimination, the Phoenix Suns, or excuse me, the LA Clippers in Phoenix, took the pickup basketball, I'm going to challenge your manhood approach last night. And it worked. Robert, have you ever played pickup basketball with a group that knows they're probably not the most talented? Usually you're talking about middle-aged men They're not as athletic as the young guys, but the way they get by is call a foul. Dare it. I dare you to call a foul. They're they're just looking to see how much they could get away with. Have you ever played pickup with a group like that? Have you? I have. But I was asking you the question.
2: I think we all can uh, picture what you're describing there, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm picturing physicality. Imagine Philip Seymour Hoffman without his shirt and along came Polly, but just a little bit more physical. That's the way they had to play in order to win. Without Kawhi or Zubac, they simply leaned on Paul George's scoring and their toughness and they bullied the Suns into submission. That's, and it was impressive to watch. They responded to every challenge this postseason. This stat's crazy to me. I don't know how much it means, but it still is a crazy stat that the Clippers have seven wins when facing elimination this postseason. That ties the NBA record. So if they win in game six, even if they lose the series, they could still have that record for most wins facing elimination. They were down two zip in every series thus far against Utah with the series tied at two games apiece. They lost Kawhi Leonard, and he still hasn't come back. They won game five. They won game six. And they're in this position in the conference finals the first time ever for the L.A. Clippers organization. Toughness. Reggie Jackson picking things up, getting them done. ACC legend Reggie Jackson. Those Al Skinner, B.C. teams. A lot of fun a dozen years ago. Toughness. It seems to be overlooked in today's NBA. The tougher team, I think, probably going to win the title this year. The toughest teams. We hear about all these injuries, and yes, they are significant. I'm not underscoring it. But there is something to be said about playing through injury, being tough, how you're able to still get on the floor, even if you probably should not be out there. And this Clipper team, there is a chance they might be tougher than the Phoenix Suns. They might be tougher. Now, I don't think they can win this series unless Kawhi Leonard returns. But toughness, it's generally overlooked. Last night, the Clippers took an approach in the fourth quarter. We're just going to throw a bunch of dudes out on the floor together who are tougher than the other guys they're facing. They had five of the six toughest players on the floor out there in the fourth quarter. Chris Paul being the one exception from Phoenix. They had Jackson and Paul George. They had Morris and Cousins. Tough dudes all around. Pat Bev. There was a Spider-Man meme moment where Pat Beverly went up to Chris Paul at the free throw line and said, You really sold it. (laughs) Uh, Enjoyed watching that. And... I was happy for Paul George, too. He restored his reputation, I think. Win or lose, he had it in Indiana, this reputation of showing up playoff time. That's why they called him Playoff P. Last year, we were introduced to Pandemic P. That wasn't great. He talked a lot about mental health, health, and that's something that I took very seriously then, and I still do today. OKC, he was tremendous. Indiana, as I mentioned, That was the best competition to those Miami Heat teams in the Eastern Conference when they had LeBron, Bosh, and Wade. And this year, he's carrying the Clippers here in the Western Conference Finals and keeping them competitive. Game six is going to be tomorrow night. I'm valuing the larger sample size with Paul George versus going off the smaller sample of what we saw a year ago in the bubble. We're going to be joined by Hayes Permar. Play Skip or Plays with Hayes. And a little over 15 minutes. Remember a month ago when Aaron Rodgers rumors were all the rage? Well, what exactly's happened with that? We've got an update, and you'll hear it next on the drive.
0: Begin simulation. Initiate scenario. Here we go. This is the drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. Hey, hey!
1: Hayes Fermar Sports Channel 8, with us here, WSJS Sports. Hayes is joining us from Raleigh, as he does each week. And I want to put this to you, Hayes, and also Robert. The Zebra Cobra's on the loose. A dangerously venomous snake. It has its nocturnal black vertical stripes, brown head. It's terrifying to me. Hayes, have you had your ear to the ground all day long trying to figure out where this snake is?
3: Yeah, well, I try not to keep my ear to the ground when there are poisonous snakes uh, in the area, (laughs) but no, I I wasn't worried about the Zebra Cobra, Josh Graham, great to be with you and Robert as always, but uh, until I just recently became aware when the snake followed Sports Channel 8 on Twitter that the snake... Has a Twitter account. So now I'm actually definitely afraid of the snake. It might have hot takes. It might have bad takes. It might want to chime in on uh, the College World Series fiasco. So I'm not really worried about the venom that apparently can spit 10 to 15 yards and uh, kill your soft tissue I am worried about the hot takes that it's going to spew on Twitter and make us all have to read. So hopefully they'll track down the snake at some point before he uh, goes viral.
1: We'll get the skipper plays in a second. Robert, you grew up (laughs) out in the country. Have you been around poisonous snakes before?
2: I mean, like water moccasins or uh, copperheads or whatever you want to call them in the river. But I think this one's a little more dangerous because like a little... Anytime I would see a snake, it would generally be like during the day, right? You're out, you're playing in the water, you're by a river, you can see aptly. But with this snake, like it's nocturnal. So it's going to be out while you're taking that uh, trash out that your wife's like been nagging at you about for two days. Or you're like, oh, I left something in my car. Let me unlock my car. Beep, beep, go out there. And all of a sudden a snake's hanging out under your tire. I just think it's a little more dangerous than uh, the common poisonous snakes we have around here in the Triad. Terrifying. Yeah,
3: I wonder if the zebra cobra is like in college because that's sort of like (laughs) like we're all sort of nocturnal in college, right? You know, like you're not really (laughs) resting out of bed until maybe one or two, and even then you're just kind of lounging around the house, and then you like shower up at five or six o'clock. You know, maybe go eat some dinner, and then you're out till three or four a.m. I think that's the schedule that the zebra cobra is on. So I'm thinking the zebra cobra is probably about. 19, 20 years old, uh, and, and he just he just likes the nightlife. That's all. So
2: you're telling me I need to leave like an open PBR, half a hot dog. <laughs> an old Tuffy. Yeah. An old it.
1: Tuffy needs if, to be sat out. Nah, he's probably not that classy. The, so probably like a Natty Light, potentially a Keystone situation.
3: Yeah, hundred percent. That's how it goes. I will say, I I had a job one time. I've had various jobs over the years. At one time, I was a camp director down on the coast of North Carolina, and somehow I ended up with the gig of uh, caring for the snakes in the nature center during the off season. Like not during the summer. During the summer, we hired some staff who actually knew about the snakes and knew what they ate and knew what to do. And I was am- like I was amazed that these snakes would still live. That you only had to feed them once a month. But I'd go in there and it's just me and like six snakes staring at me with dead rats. And you would throw it in there and they'd eat them. And one time I, uh, I had to bring some snakes up for, for a, like a, a school group. My, my non-poisonous cordon snakes, you'd bring them up and the kids would love them, right? Well, I drive up from the coast to Raleigh to give a presentation to a school group and I'm getting my stuff out. And I can't find my snake, so my <laughs> snake is now loose. Can't find it. I do the whole presentation. I assume that much like the zebra cobra, as soon as it found daylight, it got as far away from me and my vehicle as possible. So I, you know, I do the whole presentation. I've looked. I feel like I've searched the car, you know, head to toe. And I'm just about to get back on the road and say, "Oh well, I lost the snake." And I sit down and crank up the car, and almost jump out of it because the snake is sitting on the dashboard staring at me and i think he was just like hey can we go back home now it's it's been a while what's up
1: hayes permars with us here we can all relate we've all lost control of our snake at one point in time let's get to skipper plays
0: Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man, an expert in the finer things, but he hangs his hat
3: on music. Loves his God, and he's no friend of Satan. Feels was like oh, 06, getting busy with his sticks, been watching Big Mike and little trick I and trip. trip. I just need a on and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music
0: is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for skips or plays with Hayes. <laughs>
1: (laughs) Getting busy with the sticks still makes me laugh every time I hear it. All right, Robert Walsh, you've got three songs. What is the theme this week for skips or plays with Hayes?
2: All right, last week was the first week of summer. I'm going on a little vacation starting uh, after the show Wednesday, so I figured we'd do like a summer uh, vacation beach vibe theme. So stuff that you would hear in the summer as you're lounging around a pool, maybe you're hanging out on the beach, but that's the theme. And to open us up, I've got Wizards Island in the Sun. Ah.
3: <laughs>
2: Inside
1: Baseball, this is a song that's been playing on North Carolina Sports Radio for probably about 15 years. Just always in the rotation. When Hayes was producing, Robert, Darren Vaught, whoever it might be.
3: Uh, this is a absolute play. I, this is interesting because it says islands and it's in the sun. It's not my go-to for a beach playlist, and I'm I'm a little worried. I don't want to uh, tell you what to put or not put on your beach playlist, Robert Walsh, But I think you got enough North Carolina in you to know what is beach music and what is not. So I fear. Like that the beach boys. Some people think the beach music is the beach boys, and that is an absolute no. Weezer is interesting. This song, huge play, but I'm it's not necessarily number one on my beach playlist. Is that mean, it's weird because it's islands, but I guess I just don't think of Weezer as beach music. But overall, it's definitely a play. No, for sure. And
2: Hey, it's probably just that it <laughs> ends up in my summer playlist. So, like, maybe you're not yeah. at the beach, but. And I didn't include the Beach Boys yeah. today specifically because I know you have a vendetta against the Is Beach Boys. Is it
1: weird that I think about a scene from uh, Mr. Deeds every time I hear Island in the Sun? Like, that song was featured in that movie, and for some reason. I go back to it each time. Also a big Rivers Cuomo fan. Let's move things along. Second song from Robert Walsh.
2: Uh, I choose It Feels Like Summer uh, by Childish Gambino. Oh, this uh, is a couple years old. Yeah. Single he dropped in 2018, uh, but later showed up on his 31520 project. Really enjoy this song. Also, an all-time great music video. If you haven't seen the music video, it's a real who's who of who's in hip-hop in. uh, uh, animated form, and they're just doing uh, getting into getting into all kind of crazy fun. It's a great music video.
1: Yeah, it looks like an animated version of the movie Friday, if you've watched it before.
3: I am forty-two years old and uh, quickly fading, and how much I stay abreast on uh, cool music. But I know Childish Gambino. I know who he is, and to sound cool, I'm going to say this is a play. Uh, I don't, I, I don't really, I know of this song, but like, I'm not, I, I don't want to sit here in front like, oh yeah, this, this is my favorite vibe. Like, nah, this is great. This is good. It's getting a play. Cause I don't want to sound like a dork by saying skip. That's a play for me.
1: It's a heady play on Hayes' part there. We've got one more song to get to. Is Hayes going to give plays for all three of the songs today? I don't Let's like to do out. it. I
3: don't like to do it. He
1: doesn't like to do it, but he might have no choice if Robert chooses a play here.
2: Uh, maybe this is a little bit more your speed. This is uh, Kenny Chesney, Uncle Cracker, When the Sun Goes Down.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs> Uncle Cracker in general. The only one of our songs today that actually went all the way to number one and finished the year at number four on Billboard's Country Music. I
1: wouldn't chart. be surprised if Uncle Cracker, a story came out that he actually just hibernates like a bear between October until about May, and he only lives in the summer. Because that's the only time anybody's listening to Uncle Cracker, I think.
2: I mean, for sure. If you've watched the music Wait. video for this, it actually has a banger, too. He's living in this old, like, drag-behind trailer and keeps all his little summer girls in there.
3: Yes. All hey. right, this is a huge skip and an easy skip. Can you start the song over for a second? I want to point out a couple things. Can, can you start it over here? So Let's
1: run it back.
3: Alright, that, that right there, the da 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 that's from I just wanna fly, put your arms around, alright, and then, you, this song is just a rip-off, is the Uncle Cracker song, Follow Me, isn't that's right. that his song? That's right. That's what this song is, listen, listen, just let it play, just listen, let it play. We'll get to the chorus here in a second, Kenny, you're fine, here we go, ready? Alright, ready? And I say, follow me, it will be alright. <laughs> you don't. I'll be the one who cut you in half. I night. hear it. And if you follow me, I can guarantee you won't find nobody else. I. Like it's the same song. Oh my song. God! I had wow. My Come on, Uncle Cracker. You can't write two songs, really. <laughs> You gotta repeat your own song. That's an absolute skip. Hey. I respect you making it easy for me to skip that one, Robert Walsh. Much appreciated. I do what I can. I, Hayes, do what I can, Hayes.
1: don't keep your ear too close to the ground out of fear you're gonna run into a cobra.
0: Cobra.
3: Ah, ah! zebra cobra is in the studio. Ah, he spit venom at me. I gotta go, guys.
1: See ya, Hayes. There he goes. Hayes Permar joining us from Sports Channel Eight. Part of me thinks this might be a take, Robert. Hayes, I don't think actually had a snake in the studio. I don't know. Can't confirm it. Can't confirm nor deny. Maybe you could tweet him to see if he's okay. At DHPIV. Coming up, the Bucks in action tonight in Hot I'll tell you what they're going to prove tonight. Next on the drive
0: with cracking with cracking The drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports last
1: night was a lot of fun. I don't know if you saw this Robert, but after the Bachelorette episode ended last night, we jumped on Twitter spaces which if you're unfamiliar, It's essentially an audio chat where people can jump in and you can get up to 10 people talking at one time. It's kind of what Clubhouse was. Twitter just kind of took Clubhouse's corner here. Interested in ways we can use that, so I've been experimenting with The Bachelorette a bit. Last night was really cool where we had about 100 different people pop in and Mike Golick Jr. was among them. Golick Jr., who does radio for ESPN at about this time each day. Just talking all things Bachelorette, so expect that after Bachelorette episodes on Monday night where we get a lot of your favorite sports media, some NFL reporters from ESPN. Uh, Last night, Golick Jr., I think Nora Princiati from the Ringers joined us one time. And uh, we have a lot of fun. People tend to enjoy it. Just like they enjoy this segment. It's time for the Bachelorette Minute.
0: So, it's another ongoing, never-ending series of The Bachelorette. Close your eyes, Close your eyes. Relax. Relax. relax, and enjoy, enjoy the, the sounds the sound of camp. camp. Well, actually, it's Katie this time. It's Katie. It's the single lady with her hands up. If you really like it, you should put a ring on it. It's Katie this time Welcome to the Bachelorette Minute
1: Katie is booting out All the dudes Creating drama Booting out all the dudes It seems like that the house Do not like The house does not like I don't know if this is setting a good precedent Robert but Katie this is what's happened The last few episodes Somebody will come to Katie Bringing concerns to her And if the house has issues with somebody, like they did with Carl we talked about last week, she's going to send that person home. And she did the same thing with Thomas last night in the most dramatic way possible. She acted like he was getting the final rose. And then she took a step back and said, quote, Your bachelor audition is over. I'm going to need you to get out of here. Thomas, if you remember, is a guy who said something that I think every Bachelor contestant has thought, but just said the quiet part out loud that he considered the possibility that he might be the next Bachelor if he came on this show. Not something you want to say out loud So all the other guys. They sniffed it out. They tried to look out for Katie the best way they knew how as Trey put it, and go to Katie and let her know what Thomas
0: told them.
1: So, Robert, it's now gotten to this point where it seems like guys feel it's their responsibility to tell Katie who isn't a good person to protect her, when it seems like to be the purpose of this show is for Katie to figure out herself who that person is. I think a bad precedent's being set here.
2: And that's what's been going on for weeks and weeks, right, that this show's been on, is everybody else is telling her, oh, he's not here for the right reasons. Like, didn't you meet this dude a week ago? Like, none of y'all know each other. Like, obviously, everybody's just trying to vouch for themselves because everybody wants to win the, the bleeping money for this. Right, well, right. It's Katie who is tasked with figuring out who,
1: air quotes, is here for the right reasons. All the other guys, they need to kind of look out for themselves, but Katie is enabling them by giving Trey a rose for telling her that Thomas said that he was thinking about being the next Bachelor. Moving on. Andrew S., his stock went up. Robert, do a quick Google search on Andrew S. This is, if you remember, the former... American football player that played in Austria or Hungary. He looks like Giannis's stunt double. It's amazing when I watch him on screen. Every time I see him, I think Giannis. He looks like Giannis. Great move on his part to pull Katie away after a truth or dare date and look like he had a dare for Katie underneath like a dinner plate and it turned out to be tacos with Sour Patch Kids. On the side. Pretty intimate there. Robert, this is something we actually discussed with uh, Mike Golick last night. Tacos. Or specifically Taco Bell. It's easy to think that's not something you get somebody on a date. Because it's cheap. But if you buy somebody Taco Bell, isn't that the most intimate thing you can buy with somebody? Hey, I'm welcoming you into my world where... We're comfortable enough to eat Taco Bell tonight and also what some of the consequences that come with getting Taco Bell, if you could catch my drift. Isn't that like a more intimate dinner option if you're both eating Taco Bell together?
2: I I don't know about that. I think the only thing intimate about that would be like guessing someone's Taco Bell order or like guessing what someone gets there. Like, knowing what your significant other, like, you don't have to ask them if you're like, oh, I'm going to pick up fast food, and you just tell them that because you know what they're going to get. Like, I know Cheyenne gets a Mexican pizza every time she gets to Taco Bell. That would probably be the more intimate part of it. What, have you looked up Andrew? I, I did look up Andrew, yeah.
1: Giannis look-alike. It's pretty close. Pretty uncanny. One of them's like seven feet tall. Well, yeah, I mean... That's the obvious piece where they're different, but I'm talking about they're both ripped. They're both handsome. They both have similar facial structure, like cheekbones. Very similar. Uh, And other food controversy from last night. Apparently, one of the dares, Robert, you have to eat a plate of Twinkies, which we're all looking at. Come on. But Mike. Apparently had not eaten a carb in seven years. He ate a full plate of Twinkies, which leads to the obvious question. Robert, how many Twinkies can you eat in one sitting? I think ten come in a box.
2: I mean, I could eat as many as I had to. I don't know. I mean, they're pretty easy to put down. And then at the last moment, a new guy
1: added to this crew... Added to the season. His name is Blake. He's from last Bachelorette season. Which means he's had three different shots at women. He... Claire was the Bachelorette until she wasn't. Replaced halfway through the year by Tasia. Blake struck out in a sense with both of them. Even though he didn't give it a full effort with Tasia. He gets introduced to Katie. And usually this is like a ploy to create some drama and they get sent home. But Katie used the final rose that was supposed to go to Thomas and gave it to Blake showing up at his hotel room which at at about what was clearly 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And Blake just flat out answered the door and he was clearly naked. He was clearly naked and still answered the door anyway. And Katie's there to give him a rose. He doesn't have a robe, so he just puts on like a hoodie with some boxers, and then the door locked behind him when he received the rose. Not so graceful, but a new guy being added to the house from last Bachelorette season by the name of Blake. We've all been there, right? Locked out of a hotel room without all the proper articles of clothing on. I think we've all been there. Cole's nodding. Why are you nodding, Cole?
2: I haven't been there, but I know what you're talking about.
1: Did you watch The Bachelorette last night? No. Okay. Eventually, you'll get there. And that's been The Bachelorette Minute this week. If I had to guess today, I don't think Clemson makes the playoff next year. Or I guess this year, 2021. I'll explain my thinking on that next on The Drive.
4: We have developed a great program for you.
0: Unbalanced and a little out of control. (laughs) You're on The Drive with Josh Graham on WSJS Sports. I put
1: way too much thought into this stupid exercise that I thought of last segment when thinking about our next guest. Kelly Gramlich from the ACC Network joins us, who also does talk radio in Clemson as well, 105.5 The Roar, I believe. And she is a former basketball star at Clemson. So I started thinking, man, if I'm trying to pick an ACC football coach in a pickup hoops game, who am I picking first? Who do I think is going to be any good? So I started immediately eliminating coaches over the age of 55, and Kelly, welcome to the show. By the way, Mac, <laughs> Cut, Bronco, Narduzzi, Dino, couple of young guys, Flinte, I think, younger than 45. Halfley's really young at BC; he's barely 40. Uh, let's start with Dabo Sweeney because that's your area of expertise. We saw the video. Of Dabo playing pickup with Drake once upon a time. As a former Clemson hooper, have you ever seen Dabo play pickup? Do you have a scouting report?
4: (laughs) Well, first of all, hi Josh. This is a great topic. This is a uh, perfect June topic, I would say. Yeah. Um, So I have seen. Yeah, I've seen Dabo play pickup, but my more um, my my experiences with Dabo playing horse. Um, and I've played him in horse in his gym. He has a half basketball court in his house. So, uh, he takes horse very seriously. He takes basketball very seriously. I don't, I, I brought this up. So I have to admit that he beat me and I'm still salty about it. And there were a lot of other circumstances, Josh, you know, I was in jeans. He was in athletic attire. Um, I was barefoot because I didn't bring proper shoes. It was the whole thing, but and this was at a media thing that he hosts. Um, but he has a great jumper, so I think I, I I think I would go with Dabo. Now I don't, you know, I've never seen Jeff Collins shoot the rock. I've never seen Halfley play ball, so I don't really know. Halfley does because he's younger. I get where you're going there. Yeah. But Dabo Dabo's obsessed with basketball. Like he basketball is actually his favorite sport.
1: Is that right? And you're yeah. talking about the jumper. Were you at least close? Like, was it H-O-R-S to oh, H-O-R-S-E? We played,
4: um, we played pig for 30 minutes. So was close. Wow. I, you,
1: be honest with me, Kelly. You didn't think it would be that close. You didn't think it would be that long. No. You're, you have this so, great jumper. You had a three-point record, I believe, at Clemson. You're thinking, man, I'm going to take care of Dabo, and it's probably going to be 10 minutes.
4: Yeah, I thought so. Now, he was talking a lot of trash, and he's just super competitive. And, again, this was at a media dinner that he hosts at his house. Kelly, so what,
1: media... what does it sound like when Dabo's talking trash? What is he saying?
4: I mean, <laughs> it's PG. Um, <laughs> but he, he had a crowd, so, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a showman. So he, he wanted to win. <laughs> he didn't want to lose to a girl. Um, and, like, you know, I was dressed for the event, so I had on, like, jeans and a nice shirt and sandals. And he's got on Nikes and dry fit. So I was like, well, that's not good. I had him, Josh. I had him. If we'd kept shooting threes, he knew it was done. He started shooting some, like, left-handed floater nonsense. And that's what he eventually got me on was, like, a left-handed <laughs> weird floater at a very weird angle. Uh,
1: Kelly Gramlich is with us And he us won't play here. me
4: again. And I every time I see him, I try to get the, uh, the game on the books.
1: Gramlich and Matt Clayne podcast as well. Great stuff with McGee last week, and I think you guys got Marty Smith this week. So yeah. make sure you listen to that, and I believe those drop on Wednesday. Kelly Gramlich joining us from the ACC Network, also from 105.5, The Roar in Clemson. So let's talk Clemson football. I, I am concerned about the Tigers because you do have Georgia to open up, and Georgia... Gosh, they bring so much back. Two really good running backs. George Pickens, a great wide receiver. JT Daniels, you know the defense is going to be well taken care of. So if they lose that game in a hypothetical sense, and that seems like a toss-up given the talent on both sides, this is a team that seems like would have to run the table in the ACC to make the playoff because we've never had a playoff team with two losses. In the 14 format, we haven't had that. And negative ACC bias isn't going to help Clemson be the first if they were to run the table, even if one of those two losses were to Georgia. This seems to be the most vulnerable team Clemson's had since 17 because you're replacing two of the greatest ACC players we've ever seen in Lawrence and Etienne, but as somebody who's closer to the deal, how concerned are you about these Tigers in '21?
4: Well, it's it's a great question, Josh, and I definitely see that concern. I think when you open with a team like Georgia, um, it's definitely a game that is losable, and Clemson rarely opens or at least has a game on the schedule where you look at that game and you're thinking, that is really losable, at least recently. You know, Clemson opened with Auburn in 17, and that game was ugly and close, and really, if that game's not in Clemson, you probably don't win it. Um, in '16, they opened at Auburn, and that game was ugly and close. And they they found a way, but it was, um, you know, it was it was in doubt at times. So I think I agree with you. If they lose to Georgia, then I believe they have to run the table. Um, I don't think you can afford to lose to anyone else. And you, we have to see what happens elsewhere. Uh, sure. We're we're seeing sure. a lot of other big names and big brands lose some some big players. So who knows? But if you beat, let's say, North Carolina holds up their end of the bargain, their top ten, you beat a top ten North Carolina in the ACC title, you still probably have a chance, um, even if you do have a second loss. But I, I, I do believe if you lose to Georgia, you got to run the table. And with Georgia, I think the key thing with Georgia is how does that secondary come about, especially with Darion Kendrick. And that's a fascinating storyline. He was at Clemson. He's now at Georgia. That's where they lost the most. And, of course, DJU, I think, is going to be ready to go from the jump in that game. So that's where Georgia, I think, may may win or lose it is how their secondary plays.
1: It's funny. I think Alabama and Clemson, now that they're rivals because of all the playoff uh, matchups they've had, they're kindred spirits, it feels like, where they lose. They're making quarterback changes this year where Mm Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence are both in the pros. You lose your first-round running back as well, and You're you're losing a lot of talent, but the big difference between Clemson and Alabama, as we all know, is the the conferences that they play in. And that gap is smaller, I believe, between Alabama and whoever you believe to be the second-best team is in the SEC than whatever the gulf is between Clemson and the second-best team in the ACC. So when you look at Bama... Which only brings back four starters on offense. I talk about skill position guys, but they also lost guys on the offensive line. And you look at teams that are trying to burst through, whether it's AM or the Georgia team we were just talking about. Do you believe that Saban has left the door cracked open for a team to burst through and take the SEC?
4: Uh, possibly. I do think this is, you know, we have a lot of questions about Alabama's quarterback situation. And I have questions about Bryce Young. This is a guy that didn't get to play at all last year. Not necessarily his fault, but didn't get any opportunities to to really do much. Um, And we'll see how he can show up with all these weapons that have moved on to the NFL. You do bring back Mechie. I mean, that's big, but still. I know they're going to reload, but how much can they reload? And, you know, that's the question with Clemson as well. The reason why I'm not really buying it is because I do think A&M is that team that is best poised to step up. Now, Georgia, of course, would only get Alabama in the SEC championship game, and I think there's some mental block for them with beating Bama. I, I really can't bank on Georgia. So if I look at A&M, my biggest question is quarterback. I know they're bringing in the, the young freshman, Haynes King, I believe is his name, yep. who Jimbo said ran a 4 five forty, which, okay, that's interesting. Um, but he's still a freshman. And I, I do believe you know that game is in the middle of the year between Bama and A&M, and A&M should be undefeated going into that game. I assume Bama will be as well, but it's just tough because A&M and Georgia just don't have the track record of being able to defeat Bama when everyone thinks they can or you put faith in them and then they can't. So it's really tough for me to say that right now. I still think with all the questions that Bama is – the team to beat. I, I I would pick them if I had to pick right now. I'm picking them to win the SEC.
1: I have a policy when it comes to new quarterbacks coming in. You hear a lot of stuff in the spring where it almost just becomes copy and paste depending on mm-hmm. the skill set. If more people are talking about how fast the, you are than what you right. can Why do with we your, arm, about your arm. Yeah, it's not good. And I you mentioned track record, Georgia, A&M, neither are great. One of the two has been to the playoff. I, I'm i banking on Georgia, but if it is an SEC championship game, maybe we can have another discussion and have you back on and figure out whether or not the block is there. But since you're a basketball player, got to ask you about what's going on in the NBA playoffs. I, I don't know how big of an NBA fan you are, but it seems like to me that Milwaukee is the best team remaining and they have the best player remaining does that mean they're the favorite to hold the trophy at this point
4: i think they are right now from what we know now i i love chris paul i know in, in your listening audience oh, yeah. josh i'm sure people follow the sun just for chris paul and they should i think chris paul is um you know one of the greats and he's gonna be a hall of famer and i'd love to see him get a ring i don't think he's looked the same since his covid pause and it's been reported that he had COVID, but he had no symptoms because he was vaccinated. But still, he had to sit out for however many days. And it's just so hard to get back into game shape when you're not playing games. So I, he hasn't looked the same to me recently. Um, and, of course, Paul George is just playing out of his mind. But I still think it's going to we're going to get Suns bucks. And if Chris Paul can, can play like he has been or like he was in the beginning of the playoffs, then it'd be hard for me to bet against the Suns. But right now, with the way that CP3 has been playing – I think I would lean towards the Bucks because Giannis has been good. He's been great, really. But Chris Middleton has just been exceptional. And it feels like he has something to prove. So especially because the Bucks, I believe, would get home court. I'm actually yep. not quite sure they on would. that. They would. They would. Okay. Then that's a huge factor, too. But I think Bucks suns would be a lot of fun.
1: Speaking of things that might be a lot of fun, I, I mentioned when I was a guest on your radio show in Clemson that We need to do something fun around ACC Operation Football or Football Kickoff, whatever they're calling the media event for football. Yeah. Yeah. And we got to do something fun that's noteworthy. I think you might have just come up with what we need to do. We need to get like a Nerf basketball hoop, like get a basketball hoop, and you need to challenge some coaches to a game of horse. (laughs) I we can answer this question. Oh like we God. can make it, it we can make it more objective than subjective where at the end of every conversation you have it's we're going to have 5 shots at this rim, penalty shot style <laughs> and whoever makes the most is the winner and if it's a tie then the coach gets the benefit of the doubt because they're probably going to be wearing less comfortable attire right. in this instance.
4: Okay, Josh, I absolutely love this and you'll see You'll see how Dabo runs. He's going to run away. He's not going to play me again. You'll see it. Um, well, I, this is what he's done for to me for like three years now. So Corner I'm him. excited for you to see that in person. Corner
1: him. He's a showman. <laughs> he won't run away. Put the That's show. It.
4: If, there, if there's a public audience, he'll probably be like, well, I'm not going to say that I'm afraid of playing this girl and then. We'll see what happens.
1: We'll get his players to go to him on. He'll have a couple with him. He'll be like, hey, you know, Dabo's saying he's he's going to back down from a challenge.
4: Oh, is that right? Okay. Josh, this is a great idea. I'm, I'm going to start looking on Amazon as we speak. Make
1: it happen, Kelly Gramlich. <laughs> I hope to see you in Charlotte. Thanks so much for the visit, my friend.
4: Thanks, Josh. We'll see you soon.
1: There you go. It's Kelly Gramlich. Great ACC podcast she does with Eric McClain, former Clemson offensive tackle. Uh, and uh, ACC Network. Women's basketball analyst does a lot of stuff.